Well, hello, friends, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name's Matt, and uh, I'm really excited that you chose to jump in with us on this new series of talks that we're launching into. This one's going to be a little unique and different. Uh, as you may know, if you listened to last week's episode, um, we, I and my family were on vacation for the week, and we got in just the night before uh, our Sunday gathering, and so showed up Sunday and gave this talk, and then my life has just kind of been crazy trying to figure a lot of different stuff out. So all that to say, I just haven't had a moment or a chance to sit down and record this podcast like I typically do in the podcast form. So just for the sake of getting it out, decided to just post audio from uh, our Sunday gathering. Uh, this is from our Sunday evening gathering. And so I hope you're okay with getting more of the live version than the traditional studio version of the podcast. But uh, such a good, important topic for us to talk about as we jump into this series dealing with who we are as a CMYK community, what our goal is and where we're headed. And uh, there's a interview at the end with uh, someone who's a part of our community, just an incredible guy uh, that for sure, by all means, uh, make sure to listen to and uh, get to know this guy because he's so, so good. Other than that, we're going to jump into it. Hope you're doing well, and uh, we'll be back next week with the more traditional podcast talk. So thanks for letting me call an audible on this week, <laughs> being on vacation and jumping back into things. So love you, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, so tonight, uh, what we're doing is we're actually jumping into a series of talks uh, for the next four weeks. And uh, this is a series of talks that might, for some of you, if you've been around for a while, be familiar to you because we've talked about this before. But the reality is, is we have a goal and a target for where we're headed as a community. We don't just do this because we're bored on Sundays or through the podcast or the magazine or those kinds of things. We just, you know, everybody's looking for something to do, so we might as well just add more things to our schedule. But we really have this belief that there's something worthwhile and good for us to put ourselves towards. And we would say this, that there's beauty in the midst of that. There's a more beautiful way for us to interact with the world or the people and stuff around us, a more holistic way for us to engage these things in the divine. And so that's what we're about, talking about, connecting around, okay, what's a more beautiful way for us to do that? And for us, we define it around these four things. And for many of us, we've heard these or recognize these, that it's learning to be present, to be honest, Learning to be open and to be love, to, to be the embodiment of love. It's in, it's in this work that us as a community, us as individuals, we believe good things, beauty happens and comes forth in our lives and in the world around us. And so this is why we exist as a community. This is the gospel, if you will, the good news, the purpose for us. And many times what can happen, I don't know if you've been a part of an organization like this, but many times you can have a, like a, a plaque on the wall or some vision or mission statement and some guy gets up with a microphone and has some kind of vision of here's where we're going and this is what we're going to be about. And, and everybody's like, yeah, woohoo, that sounds awesome. But then after the meeting or after the big vision casting, everybody's around the water cooler going, yeah, but we're not going to do any of that stuff. Or it's this conversation of like reading a book and everybody's supposed to read the book and everybody talks about the book and how great the book was and how life transformation, transformational the book was. But everybody knows we're not actually going to do anything or change anything. We just all read a book together. That's the sum total of what's happening here because we're just going to keep doing what we've always done. And so for me, when it came to this idea of the CMYK community, just holistically, I wanted to make sure that there was... And our leadership, we wanted to make sure that there was this approach to this stuff that we don't just talk about it. It's not just a plaque on the wall, but it's something that we're actually engaging. Because I really believe my life, our lives, the city of Billings is better and more beautiful 
And great things come if we actually pick this stuff up and engage it. And so what we want to do is on a regular basis, just stop and ask the question, how are we doing? Where are we at? When it comes to these things, what level have we found ourselves at? And to do that, tonight, we're going to talk specifically about what it means to be present. But more than me just talking about it, and more than me just kind of pointing at where this, thing's, where this stuff comes from, because I think it's important to know that this stuff isn't just random, like I had bad pizza and thought, oh, the clouds parted and, you know, God spoke to me or anything like that. No, this is stuff that actually comes from a lot of teaching and thought, particularly scripture, the teachings of Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit about where this stuff comes from, but then most significantly of all, throughout this series, inviting different people within our community to just share where they are and how this is kind of this has worked out in their life as well. So tonight, as I mentioned, we're talking about being present. And that means we've got this list of things that we need to talk about. Burning bush, sacred ground, make home, the art of here when the peak has passed, and a CMYK story. <clears throat> to talk about this idea of being present, <clears throat> we live in a culture where this is kind of something that is buzzword. We deal with it a lot. But for me, again, this isn't something that's new or fresh. This is something that's actually really ancient and old. And one of the best moments or examples of, of why this matters to me is found within the life of a guy named Moses. And I know most of us in this room have probably interacted or heard about the story of Moses, whether it's through a cartoon that we watched or Veggie Tales or Charlton Heston. Like, we've all interacted with the life of Moses on some level. This great leader of the Hebrew people led Israel out of slavery in Egypt to become a great nation. All of these things led the, led the Israelites in the desert for 40 years. All of these things. We know this story. We know the story for many of us that Moses was this guy that grew up with a literal silver spoon in his mouth. He grew up in Pharaoh's household, even though he was not an Egyptian, he was a Hebrew, and he should have been a slave. He was actually someone that, because of some set, a set of circumstances, ended up being someone of privilege in his culture. And as someone of privilege in his culture, had everything handed to him and was prone to be an incredible leader and someone that brought great significance to the world and to the country of Egypt. But he made a mistake. He screwed up. Pretty big deal. And because of this mistake that he makes, he's banished from the country of Egypt. He can no longer be around his friends and his family and his own people as a slave. That's how significant this mistake was. And he's banished to the wilderness, where all of this peak leadership and significance and silver spoon in his mouth that he had is now gone, and he's simply found in the wilderness. And it was this transition moment for the life of Moses, the thing that turns everything for him that I think is so important and what I want to talk about tonight. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, and it's this moment. It says, Now Moses was keeping, was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now, again, many of us have interacted with this moment. We've seen it portrayed some kind of screen or storybook, potentially. But here's what I find really fascinating about this burning bush moment with Moses. How long do you have to stare at something that's on fire before you realize that that thing is not being consumed by the flames? That it's not going anywhere? 
I mean, I've sat around campfires before, fire pits, which are not advisable right now in the state of Montana. No fire pits, no campfires, anything, okay? I've sat around a campfire or a fire pit before, and there's a large log in the middle of that thing, and it seems like not just minutes, but sometimes hours go by, and it feels like that log is going nowhere. It really is going somewhere, and it really is getting burned up and consumed by the flames. But here's a moment with Moses where he has a certain pace. He has a certain presence to his life. And it's because of that that he's able to recognize something that I don't know that I would ever see, if I'm honest. You see, again, because of how we've interacted with the story, potentially on the screen or in a storybook or just in our own minds, there's this thought that sometimes the burning bush is like, it's not just a bush that's on fire, but it's something that has like this magical, mysterious aura around it. And it's like, oh, and Moses stumbles upon it. And there's a light that shines down from heaven. Like there's something truly sacred and special about this bush. And that's what Moses notices. That's what everybody would go, oh, of course he stopped. Of course he noticed this bush. But there's nothing within the story and there's nothing within the text that would point us towards that reality. It's simply and only this. Moses has the presence and the patience to see something that takes minutes and sometimes hours to notice what's really going on. This bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed by the flames. It just continues to be on fire. On top of that, there's this tradition within Judaism that many different rabbis and scholars look at this text and they say there's something that's actually happening here that's not just pointing towards this divine moment, but that actually what's going on is this bush has always been on fire. The bush is always burning. And it was just in this moment that Moses was present, was patient and had a pace to his life, that he was able to notice something that was always there. That the potential is that Moses has walked by this time and time again, but never noticed it. The potential is that people in general, there are these burning bush moments that are something truly significant and sacred, but we go by them at a pace and with very little presence, and we don't even realize what's happening. The bush is always burning. And Moses is able to stop and see there's something sacred here. And it says that he turns to investigate what's going on. And it's in this moment that we see the divine start to interact. Next slide. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see. Now, this seems like an easily like, transition statement into what's about to happen, but I think this is one of the most significant parts of this entire story. God, the divine, responds to the fact that Moses was present. It wasn't like God was just anticipating and waiting and like something was going to happen and he just waited for Moses to show up. No, he was waiting for no- Moses to be present be patient, to go at a pace enough that he would actually see there's something sacred and significant here. And it's in that moment that God actually chooses to respond. God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And, God, and Moses said, here I am. Then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God, and the God of Jacob. In other words, this 
is as significant as you get in your culture. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Leave that up there for a second, Marcus. Moses has this interaction, and not only is this moment happening with the bush, but God chooses to go one step further and say, it's not just that this bush thing is happening. It's not just that it's on fire and it's not being consumed by the flames. The actual ground that you're standing is holy. It's sacred. There's this idea, same thing with this concept that the bush is always burning, and Moses just had the ability and the presence to see what was going on. There's this idea within Judaism that when it comes to this word, the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The word for place within the Hebrew language is the word mekom. And many rabbis will replace this word mekom within many stories and texts because of moments like this, and they will say anytime you see the word mekom, you can actually insert and put God for that word. Because whatever that place is, whatever that place is that's being talked about and mentioned, that's actually where God can be found. And just as the bush is always burning, they would say the ground is always sacred. The Macomb, the place, is where God is to be found. You see, for me, it's this moment that transitions everything for Moses. That yes, he was on, you know, top, silver spoon in his mouth, everything was awesome, but then he's at the bottom, and it seems like 40 years at the bottom, seems like this is the rest of his life, but there's this moment where Moses is present enough to actually witness and see the bush is always burning, and this ground is sacred, and this is the transition piece that we see lead into the story that we all know of Moses leading Israel into freedom, parting the Red Sea, all of these different things that we know to be of this story. It comes and it happens because of his willingness and ability to be present. It's this idea. If the bush is always burning and the ground is always sacred, then this moment and this place and the people around you and our willingness to slow down and our willingness to be present with what's really going on around us is an invitation into the same kind of interaction where the divine notices and sees, oh, they're present. They're here. They're recognizing the sacred, the mystery, the beauty in this moment, and it's there that we find God. And the invitation of Moses is the same invitation for us, but the question is, are we actually present? I love the way Lawrence Kushner Incredible author, uh, wrote a book entitled God Was in This Place and I Did Not Know. If you're looking for something to read, it's great. But he says this about this concept. He's been really helpful for me. Next slide. He says, God, the Holy One of Being, is more than everywhere. God is the bosom in which creation happens day after day. The ground and the source of everything that exists. The very place of being itself, make home. And to be awake and present in this place is to encounter God. So the question for us as a community, the question for you and for me as individuals is, are we present? And maybe to even step back one further and ask ourselves, do we actually believe this? 
Do we actually believe that there's something sacred and divine and beautiful? And it's not just about a story, you know, potentially thousands of years ago. It's about this moment and an invitation to see that the bush is always burning and the ground is always sacred. And am I patient and present enough to actually witness and experience and interact with the divine on that level? Or do I believe something different? Because I think more than any other generation, more than any other culture on his, in history, we have a tendency to not be here. We can physically be somewhere, but we are not there. We have the ability through screens and technology. We have the ability through our imagination. We have through the, the ability through work. We have the ability through all the different resources and technology available to us to never actually be present, but to simply distract ourselves away from what's really going on. We can put a screen in front of us and rather than recognizing and seeing this room and these people and this moment, what's happening and the beauty and the sacred and the significant of this space, we're around friends and family, co-workers, wherever we are, and we are not there because we're busy looking at pictures that are not present. And it's in that moment that we have removed ourselves from ever witnessing and ever experiencing the bush is always on fire. And this ground is always sacred. But we have chosen to step outside of that for the sake of distracting ourselves away. So the question that we got to start with is, do we even believe that there is something sacred? Do we even believe that there's something here? And for me, what I find most profound, <clears throat> just where I am in life right now, is to look at this story of Moses and to see that he was at the peak of his life, silver spoon in his mouth, everything was awesome, and then he lost it all. And it's in moments like that when he's literally in the wilderness, not where he wants to be, that he's willing enough to be present with what's really going on, present with the people that he doesn't want to be around, present in a situation that he probably, a work job environment that he doesn't want to be there. He's present there, and that's where God interacts with him. You see, for me, I have a tendency, and I think we have a tendency, to potentially look at our past, things that have happened, places that we've been, seasons that we've gone through, and there's this silver lining to them sometimes that we think, if I could just get back there, that's where God was. That's what was truly special. That's what was truly magical. I just got to get back there. Or we live our life in such a way to think that the silver spoon, the peak, whatever it is, it came and now it's gone and I'm just in the wilderness and this is just my life now. And so why bother? But the reality of the story of Moses is everything changes and transitions. That, that was not the peak was something so minor and insignificant in his story. So much happened after it, but it all hinged upon this. He was present and patient. In other words, our tendency and desire to think that maybe our glory days, our best days, have come and gone. That we got to look back and just go, well, I missed it, I screwed up, bummer, nuts, oh, this is just my life now. This is not the work of the divine, and this is not the invitation of Christ in our life, but to actually see that right here, right now, 
is potentially everywhere in the exact place that we need to be. Are we present to actually see that? Again, Lawrence Kushner, I love the way that he puts this. He goes on and he says this, you are already where you need to be. You need go nowhere else. Feel it now in the moisture on your tongue. Sense the effortless filling and emptying of your lungs, the involuntary blinking of your eyes. Just an inch or so behind your sternum where your heart beats. That is where the Mekom place is. Right here, all along. And we did not know it because we were fast asleep here in this very Mekom. This moment, these people. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up. Many of us are going to go to work. That moment, those people. Whether it's the job you hate, whether it's relationships that you want out of, the bush is always burning, this ground is sacred. Are you actually seeing that, or are you just distracting yourself away from it and all along missing out on what the divine has always been about? <clears throat> when it came to thinking about and processing this idea of learning to be present, there's someone in our community, he uh, normally comes to the morning gathering, so he's a new face to most of you in this room, I'm sure, uh, but he's quickly become one of my favorite people on planet Earth, and one of the reasons is because I love the kinds of conversations that we get to have, and over the course of the last year or two, uh, he and I have had some conversations about this and just his own work and process of what it means to be present, so I thought as we deal with this as a community, it'd be good to hear his story, so ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome my friend, can I say good friend, can I put that on there? Okay. Okay, good friend, John Binder. Everybody, John Binder. Woo! Yay! Thanks, good friend. Oh! Great friend. Did you already finish your beer? I'm working on it. Oh, okay. It went right to my head, so I had to slow down and <laughs> switch to water for a little bit. Oh, sorry, I'm interviewing you. Hi, John. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I don't want to try to replicate what, what happened this morning, yeah. but uh, this idea of being present, I called you to talk to you about it, and I love your story about how this whole thing got off the yeah. ground, and so go there, and then we'll kind of move in from there. I mean, it was, it was almost comical. You called me to ask me about talking about being present at a time that I felt maybe least present in the past year or so. Like that moment when I called um, yep, you. Okay. Yep, I, I thought it was either a joke or a divine intervention. You were like the voice of God, like trying to smack some sense into me. Um, I had uh, spent the day golfing, and then I had, so, I, so after that I had Catholic guilt plus dad guilt plus husband guilt. That's and a lot so of I, guilt. <laughs> I came home, and I was just like, I'm just going to, I'll take it from here, pregnant wife. Like, don't worry about anything. I'm going to make dinner. I'm going to, you know, put our, our daughter to bed after I give her a bath. And also it happened to be the fantasy football draft night. And so I'm, like, giving my daughter a bath while the ESPN, like, website's up. And I'm drafting a, a fantasy football team that is going to lose horribly anyways. <laughs> and I was, I was just everywhere at once, but actually not actually present at all. I'm trying to do it all. And um, in just recognizing that I was completely distracted and feeling like it was a low point in, in fatherhood, uh, 
not to mention the fact that it was probably unsafe to be looking at a computer while my two-year-old daughter's in a bathtub. Just like splashing um, randomly while you're looking at the phone. Yeah, so <laughs> I just, I, it was, it was kind of cool that you asked if I wanted to talk about being present because it's something that I've always found to be really important work. But then uh, I'll, I'll fall off the wagon. I'll have to get back on. I'll have to figure out, okay, how can I do things better? So the timing was, was pretty yep. comical. So what does it mean? Like, obviously, you know, I, I just talked about it. What does it mean for you to be present? What does that work look like for you in your life that you can kind of evaluate and see I'm being present? Obviously, you had this moment mm-hmm. of not being present right. with your daughter. What does that look like for you to work on that? I, th- I think it's just being fully engaged wherever I am with whoever I'm with, being fully engaged. And interestingly, I feel like in order to engage with with other people and in other work, I have to feel like I'm personally centered first. So, you know, you you put up a couple nice quotes. And for example, one of them is just being in touch with your breath. And I think that's a really nice kind of portal into the present moment. If I can take a step back and just take a deep breath, I mean, I'm like a a science geek, so I geek out on all of the biology behind it, but all of your vital signs will change just by taking a few deep breaths. Your your blood pressure will drop. Um, He's a doctor, by the way, just so you know. I just, I just, (laughs) I like to geek out on this. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so for me, that's, that's really cool that, you know, my whole, like everything that's happening in my body can change just by focusing on the present moment and, and being fully engaged. So that's kind of like, that's an ideal. And then I'll find myself veering off from that left and right. I think one of the cool things is when I notice that I'm actually completely not being present, as opposed to that being a, a bad thing, that's actually a good thing because it's kind of a calling back to like, oh, well, I should probably refocus and, and really engage in whatever it is I'm, I'm doing as opposed to looking at it as like a, a failure. So I think that's kind of a, a cool way of looking at it. Yeah. So thinking about distractions, all of us have them. I mean, the cell phone is kind of an easy target. Um, what do you find to be those distractions in your life that have the tendency to pull you out of the present moment, pull you out of that breath and, and those kinds of things? Yeah, you, you know, the, the cell phone is a good example. I, I think that I, I'm sure that I stare at it way too much. Um, because of that, I've done a couple of things to kind of keep myself in check. I feel like I've kind of been in touch with how I feel um, emotionally, like before and after looking at social media for a while. And, and I usually find that I'm not like in a better place afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I, so I've kind of gone dark with social media. So I'm, I'm kind of inactive on Facebook and Instagram. And then I'll, every now and then I'll log on and just like binge for half an hour, like catch up on what's exciting going on in people's lives. It's not that I want to disconnect from people. It's just, I guess if I really want to be invested in relationships that matter, then I should probably like cut away ones that that don't. So in a social media age, um, one of the things, I mean, I've wrestled with it even in my own kind of limiting or stepping back from social media. That's how we connect for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And so for some of us, we think like, there's no way that I could actually do what you're doing. That's nice, John. But you're just choosing to not have any friends, let's just be honest. (laughs) Or you're just choosing to not, not know what's really going on in the world or in other people's lives and just live in your own little bubble. Or there's the, 
hashtag FOMO, fear of missing out, that that's going to happen and all these things are happening and you're just, you know, on, on your own level doing your own thing. Has that been the case for you? Do you feel like you're missing out? Do you feel like there's relationships that are happening that, like, you regret not being engaged on social media or has it been more of a positive thing? You know, that's a good question. I feel like I've probably been more engaged as a result of it. I feel like I still have regular connections with friends and family, whether it's a text message, phone call, ideally meeting face-to-face, although that's difficult because I didn't grow up here, so I, I do keep up a lot of distance friendships and, and relationships. But I really I feel like by investing more in kind of a, a smaller circle, I, I feel like I'm able to be more present, maybe be a better friend, husband, um, you know, son, father, all of those, all those many roles. I feel like it kind of simplifies things a little bit. Um, and so, so I don't really feel like the FOMO thing has been an issue. Yeah. Cool. So when we talk about this idea that to be present is to interact with the divine, um, sometimes it's easy to like look at a moment like Moses and feel like, oh, the, like, look at that happen. And then we think about it for our own life and, and we feel like that never happens. So we're just trying to be present, but no fruit or nothing good is coming from it. And in your work to be present, have you experienced fruit? Is there moments or a moment that you would talk about and say, hey, God showed up here and it happened because I was present compared to distracting myself away from it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I feel like where I find God is usually in, in the little moments in life. It's, it's not as big and exciting as a, a burning bush that's not actually being consumed, although that'd be cool if that ever happened someday. But a lot of times it's in the, the day-to-day parts of normal life. And usually what I find is if I, if I slow down and I pay attention I find that's where God seems to work in my life. And, and I feel like, more than anything, um, this idea, I, I talk with my wife a lot about, usually when we're freaking out or thinking about some future hypothetical situation that doesn't exist, and so it's impossible to really make a solution because we're talking about something that hasn't happened and most of the time doesn't even happen how we're thinking it'll happen. Um, and so recognizing that we're actually, we're worrying about something that doesn't even exist and, and trying to, to recenter and come back to the, the present moment, I think, I think that's really helpful. And, and that's where I feel, uh, God's peace most of the time. Hmm. That's really, really great. I love it. So, um, <clears throat> social media. Avoiding, like, staying away from that, those kinds of things. Being intentional with relationships, like the identifying these are the people that you want to stay connected with, those kinds of things. What are some other tools that you found? We've talked about distractors. Are there some sure. other tools that you found that help you to be present? Yeah, I um, I picked up a book, um, The Power of Now. I don't know if anyone's read it or familiar with it. It's a little new agey. Like, you'll read the first intro and just think I'm like a nut which is okay because I kind of am but it's an awesome awesome book and really um, I picked it up when I was probably like 20 or so at a time when I when I was just not really worried about anything in life and then 
I felt like shit kind of hit the fan and I went through some difficult stuff and being able to have kind of a kind of a guide to focus on the present moment um has been really helpful so I get a lot out of that it's actually it's one of the staple books on my nightstand well whereas a lot of other books there's like 20 in rotation or so like that's just kind of there and so I like that as a tool um I really like uh John Kabat-Zinn, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he does a lot of work on, on mindfulness. Hmm. And so he has some, some good books. And I took a course, um, mindfulness, uh, mindful-based uh, stress reduction that was, that was very enjoyable. So I think those Sounds things like are... kicking the pants. Yeah, no, really good time, <laughs> really good time. Um, so those things are helpful, but then also just going back to, like, biology, like our, our breath and... and taking in our senses and and there are so many different ways of being mindful you can think about really everything that that you sense on a daily basis as as a way like I probably could be a little bit more mindful for example like if you're actually tuned into what you're eating like it might be a cheeseburger or a steak whatever it is but if you're like really focusing on the whole experience for me I find that food tastes so much better and yet on the other hand on the flip side if I'm just like watching TV or stressed out about work or something, and I'm just crushing whatever's in front of me and I'm not thinking, like I'll finish a whole meal and then be like, I wonder what that tasted like. So there are just countless, that's the cool thing about being present. There, you're never gonna, you're never really gonna be like perfect. We're not like walking Buddhas or, you know, gods walking around, but I think there's so many opportunities for us to engage in the present and to be more fully fully present that's so good dude he killed it tonight like this morning was good but i'm like wanting to take notes tonight thank you man that's really good any other any other things or thoughts you want to bring uh no i just just a a thank you to the community kelly and i moved up here three years ago we spent the first like year and a half really frustrated because we didn't we didn't feel like we found a place where we could connect and and all of those, you know, big, big bullet items that you touched base on uh, in the beginning of tonight's talk, I think we find that people here really care about those things, and, and we love the, the open, welcoming community. So, so just a thanks for, for creating that space for us. It's been, it's been really key to calling this home. Cool. Hey, say thanks to this guy, John Binder, everybody. Doc, Dr. John Binder, paging Dr. Binder. Paging Dr. Binder. Oh. Um, so, oh, that was good. Um, as we um, wrap up, it would probably be good for us to take a moment to slow down, take a breath, recognize our breath. And I love the way uh, John just talked about food, because since the very beginning of this thing called church has been an opportunity for us, for the church communities to pause and take a piece of bread and some wine and to recognize that moment. And in that moment, to sense and know that God is there. There's this embrace and love to be found. And call it communion. They call it the Eucharist. But it's an opportunity for us to come back to what this is all about. And so we're going to um, share in that together. Um, 
But to kind of point us towards it one last time, I just want to throw up a quote from Lawrence Kushner. This is what he says. Judaism sees only one world, which is material and spiritual at the same time. The material world is always potentially spiritual. For Judaism, all things, including and especially such apparently non-spiritual and grossly material things as garbage, sweat, dirt, and bushes are not impediments to, but dimensions of spirituality. I love that because many of us carry garbage and bushes and dirt and soil, things that we think don't matter and aren't significant. We wish we could just be done with them and get rid of them. But this spirituality and this work is an invitation to see there's something even there. It says, to paraphrase the psalmist, the whole world is full of God. So the business of religion is to keep that awesome truth ever before us. Tonight we come to this table and we recognize that the bush is always burning and the ground is always sacred. There's something here in this moment where you are, whatever you're doing in life, whatever relationships are around you. Yes, it's not forever, but there's something there. And that God is up to something. And maybe the best work that we can do is to just stop and breathe deep and sense the bread and the juice. Recognize it's in even this moment that God you're to be found. And to feel his embrace and love, that is good work. So we're going to just invite you, we're going to play a song through the speakers and just invite you to come forward, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and we'll take a minute together and to receive. And then whenever, uh, when we're all done, we'll close our time together.